bits of slime first crawled from the sea and shouted to the cold stars, I am man. Our greatest dread has always been the knowledge of our mortality. But tonight we shall hurl the gauntlet of science into the frightful face of death itself. Tonight we shall ascend into the heavens. We shall mock the earthquake. We shall command the thunders and penetrate into the very womb of impervious nature herself. Tonight, it's Wednesday, and you are listening to Spoiler Alert, a weekly talk radio show for movie and television lovers. Thank you, Dr. Uh, Frankenstein. If you weren't aware, <laughs> uh, it's pronounced uh, Frankenstein. Uh, I, I did say that. Tonight... We are delving. I know, I know. I just couldn't leave the joke to not go. Anyway, it's fine. Uh, I wanted to reverse it, but I couldn't think of it in time. Tonight, we are delving into the creative mind of one Mel Brooks. Uh, did you guys think that, that that opening was maybe a bit, like, was it too dramatic? Was it too much? I feel like I it could have gotten Mel more. Yeah, no, I think it's perfect. Yeah, no, it's perfect. Uh, I'm joined by my usual troupe, Sean and Sonia. Hello, my friends. How are you? Hello. Hello. How, great. How are uh, you? I'm You're good. really how, doing some how, acting how tonight. You, uh, if you can, yes, if you can sum up your summer breaks in one word, what would it be? Perhaps two words. One to two words. Too fast. Mm, Sean? Yeah, very, very exhausting, but much needed, even though I missed you both and I missed our audience. Um, it went by in the blink of an eye, I gotta say. But it was nice mm-hmm. to re- it, to revisit some of those happened. old epis before COVID when we were young and True. innocent and had no idea what the world would bring us, you know? Young, dumb, and full of jokes. <laughs> <laughs> crush it. Absolutely Oof. crush it. Um, as I mentioned before and as I screamed at you earlier, we're talking about Mel Brooks comedies today. You guys... Uh, what's your history with the Mel Brooks movies? Well, my parents, uh, being the, you know, nerds that they are, are big Mel Brooks fans. And I think I first saw, I don't know which one I saw first. I feel like I was probably in high school. Maybe it was Spaceballs. Maybe it was Blazing Saddles. Could have been Young Frankenstein. Um mm-hmm. But I just remember my parents being like, listen, this is important for your comedy education. This man <laughs> is an important figure and you need to know his, his important work. So, yeah, uh, I was even evangelized to and it went well. <laughs> well interesting. Okay, thank you. Mine, mine is a similar vein, but it was grandparents. I don't think my parents had them, mm. but at my grandparents, I would watch Blazing Saddles all the time. Um, oddly, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, all the time. I love that movie. Um, and um, Young Frankenstein was a bit of a after the fact. Uh, I came to it. Um, and then those were kind of my big three. But I, because I was doing some Mel Brooksian research today, uh, as we should have. And there was a few that I had just like, honestly, not even, never even heard of. Um, but I didn't get a chance to watch many of them because, you know, it's a short week. But I did watch a few. A few of the news. Uh, you know, no, that's uh, that's absolutely fair. Um, I'm pretty sure that my entry was Spaceballs as a guy who was into Star Wars. Oh, right. what? And, of course. Yeah, really, who knew? <laughs> who knew? Who knew? Um, but uh, I, I, re- I remember having, like, the... I think... Is it called? It was just called the Movie Channel, like on demand. Yeah. Is it? Was it just that? That's what it was called, Movie Channel. There was one called that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it had space in it, and I was just like watching everything that had space. You know, like like all these like weird, <laughs> crappy movies. Lots and, of space. Uh, I remember being. <laughs> I remember being really angry, at the opening scene with the giant spaceship. And, like, I knew they were making fun of Star Wars, and it, like, hurt me or something. You know, I don't know. Uh, and then, you know, you're you're hit with the Rick Moranis of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, well, it's so charming, obviously, and it's super fun. And, you know, 
being however old I was, I can't remember. Uh, when did Spaceballs come out? I think like 87. In the 80s, yeah. Yeah, so it's so a long, long, long ago in terms of Jeremy's life, I should say. Uh, but uh, it, it was just a thing of like, oh, hey, is this a spoof of Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, is that what this is? Is, that, is it directly referenced? I thought it was ripping them off. And, uh, oh, and that's there, so funny. I thought you uh, were feeling the anger you were feeling was people making fun of Star Wars, but you just were like, no. you're plucked at how stupid it was before realizing it was a Star Wars parody. Yeah, you know, yes, yeah, ba- basically. Uh, but then my mom, my mom, it's weird how family sort of slides into this whole thing. Um, maybe that's a part of it. But my mom was like, there's more of these. Like, you need to watch all, all of these. And then, of course, we got into Blazing Saddles and um, uh, Dracula and Robin Hood. I do remember watching Blazing Saddles with my mom and brother. And it was the best time. Like, mm. it, was, it, was, it was the absolute best movie watching experience the three of us had. Maybe ever. I don't uh-huh. even know. But uh, it was just wonderful watching this crazy crazy thing uh you know as a family and me every five minutes being like mom is this okay to watch like, <laughs> is, this, is, this, like is this all right and uh her being like yeah it's hilarious what's yeah of course and that's how jeremy learned about satire well maybe um you guys uh for those who may be uninitiated uh what is the dare i say formula for a Mel Brooks movie. The Brooks mm. Quotient? Well. <laughs> Sonia, you, make the rubric. You take a lump uh, of clay, is which is... I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say no, you, you take a lump, of, a lump of clay that is a popular genre or, like, series, and then you just um, make mm-hmm. a parody of it and put in some of the stupidest bits known to, known to man to pepper through it. And then uh, Mel Brooks pops in as a little cameo, sometimes starring in it, which, mm-hmm. as I saw in High Anxiety this week. And then you got yourself a Mel Brooks movie, baby. Maybe a musical number. Each one has, like, a musical number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Sean's exactly right. Throw in that musical number and a dash of, like, taking down fascism or racism, and there you are. Mel Brooks, baby. Um, I, I do want to touch on this genre thing because this week it was interesting to sort of look at the master list and be able to watch everything. And it is crazy how they are pulling off all of these really crazy different movies mm-hmm. that are different genres, but all just their type of movie. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, I do wonder what it looks like. Like, I'm just looking at the, the list of in order. But to go from Blazing Saddles to Young Frankenstein to Silent Movie, High Anxiety, and then a bit, I'm skipping a few, Spaceballs. But uh, what what do you guys, like, what do you think of a man who's just able to dip into any movie genre in what I can only call, dare I say, a Weird Al fashion? Yeah, actually, I think that's a really apt comparison because in the same way that Weird Al can send up like any kind of song, but then make it his own. That's like exactly what Mel Brooks does. Mm -hmm. I think it just speaks to like his genius, not to be too, you know, like fawning or cliche about it, but just his ability to to, yeah, like smartly, but very stupidly at the same time synthesize like the entire essence of a genre or a series and then spit it back to you in this like Looney Tunes satire reconfiguration that still feels very him like yeah you're right it's really interesting how they are all really different but really the same mm-hmm. they are they're kind of the same because he his what he's good at and what he likes doing is like analyzing like creating a for the formula basically and you just plug in your humor mm-hmm. once you know the rules like of the of the genre and then you're good to go like everything has its tropes and you just use a few of those 
I think it actually, I find it like, I feel like that's kind of the way that I work too. If I'm like, I research a thing a lot and then I'm very, can, you know, easily just like replicate it instead of just like, if the world's your oyster, then it's hard to do. But if you are like, I'm under these rules, I feel like I find it a lot easier mm. actually. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe he does things the same And way. I also feel like, uh, I feel like, a, not all, I'm not going to say all, but a good amount of the stories, like, we already know what the beats of Dracula are, mm-hmm. right? Like, so now we're going into this thing with, yes, I know likely how that this whole situation is going to end, but I want to see how Mel gets there, you know, like, and I can, you know, really sort of disassociate from like, okay, at some point, this is going to break the fourth wall in a really great and meaningful way. And that's going to be the thing that actually like ties this whole thing together. And, uh, you know, you throw in a dash of like, Oh, what would suck all the air out of the planet? Uh, a large vacuum. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That's just, a, that's the logical answer to that question. So, you know, and then finding the humor in it is that's, that's the skill. Mm-hmm. That's the Brooks um, way. It's the Brooks way. And also, like, I feel like he it's interesting, like he he does work in those like dichotomies, those extremes, because it's even the same way that his stuff is like edgy in its way. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know the last time I watched a movie with more slurs in it than Blazing Saddles. Um, But then there also is this like gentleness and this like corniness, almost like sweetness at the same Mm -hmm. time. Like, get you a man who can do both, you know? Wow, are you attracted to Mel Brooks? It is really true. <laughs> Honestly, kind of. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. A funny man, like, you can't beat it. A funny short oh, king? Uh, I always... <laughs> we, we love a funny short Jewish king. <laughs> uh, I always think of him as the president in Spaceballs. Yeah. And, and uh, there's the scene where his head gets reversed on his body because <laughs> they're trying to transport him, uh, which is just great. But um, there is, like, something, like eerily sexy about the whole thing with like his butt and then the like hot lady like checking him out and all this like really fun stuff and it is just crazy how it is this like maybe kind of really human moment of like just like seeing someone from like a different angle and like liking what you see or whatever (laughs) but that literally is his head backwards in a room full of subordinates next to the room (laughs) he could simply walk into and like I don't know how you conceive of that. <laughs> I don't know, but it's genius. I think I'm, I'm as the governor it from Blazing true. Saddles with his like pants always down. Yeah. <laughs> and, his, and crossed That's eyes. That's and that right. very sexy secretary. That's yeah, true. Um, okay, you guys. I think I know the answer of this for Sean, but I'm still curious to ask. Uh, of his players which are people who sort of frequent mel brooks films who is your favorite yeah i bet you can guess of 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 his troop uh who is it sean for those who don't know you you two guess okay jeremy on three ready one two three madeline madeline (laughs) con yeah very very much so She's just literally so to the point that I was like, "Oh, I, I, I was, I'm gonna say Madeline Kahn," and then I was like, "Oh no, Sean's gonna say Madeline Kahn, so I should pick a different one." <laughs> you can have her. There's enough Madeline um, to go around. Oh, and how? She, uh, uh, I just saw her for the Sean, first time what, in. What about and I, Well, okay, so she's beautiful. She's hilarious. She is, uh, like, she is a performer in every sense of the word. She can sing, she can dance, she can unravel. She is just like, there's no role that she cannot play. And she's the best mm-hmm. at being a high-strung, unraveling rich lady. And she, just no one can do it better. And she, I just saw her in High Anxiety this week. And there's just, a scene where she just rolls up in a car with completely covered in like a Louis Vuitton printed car. And then she's in a jumpsuit that's also Louis Vuitton and like not really referenced or (laughs) like explained, but it was just 
Oh, she's just so good. As like she's an icy so Hitchcock and blonde. That voice. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sanj? Well, I mean, it, Madeline's right up there for me, for sure. But mm-hmm. also, how can you not love Gene Wilder just, like, the most? I think I've literally said this before on the show. Like, I think I've I've enthused in this way before. But I don't know. He just, he really has that, that je ne sais quoi, like, whatever it is that when you, when you know, when you see someone, you're like, oh, that person ha- has it. Like, He's obviously hilarious comedically. Like he's he's a brilliant comedic actor. But mm-hmm. there's just this like this like sadness to him, this like vulnerability. Like he just can give you so much range in a single short like comedic scene even. I don't know. Like Gene Wilder's just magic, man. And he also uh, like in Young Frankenstein in Young Frankenstein, he, like, plays the straight mm-hmm. character, basically. Like, he's surrounded by goofballs. Mm-hmm. And he's, and he's, he holds it down so well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think that, like, Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks, in a way, is like a Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, why can't I remember his name? The other guy. <laughs> yeah. The writer of Seinfeld. Larry David. Oh, Larry David? Larry David, thank you. Yeah, but they, I think they, like, create something that's bigger than the sum of their parts. Mm-hmm. And I I think, I think Gene Wilder is super funny. And I think you're totally correct, Sonia. Like, there is a sadness in him that, like, he is really able to convey so much, honestly, with not doing a lot. Mm-hmm. But then he takes it to 11 and it's so good. Yeah. And like even like like he does it in Willy Wonka and mm-hmm. a part of you is like, is this a Mel Brooks like like is this part in the tunnel? Like is Mel Brooks affiliated with this? <laughs> yeah. Even just this part? Like is that what's happening? Um But uh it is still just this like crazy energy coming at you and yeah, it's every once in a while I'm reminded that these people are all in the same movie at the same time, mm-hmm. and it is it is too much. Um, you I stole my answers, but what I would have, it be uh, to be a, a fly in the wall? Because I anticipated such. What was your third What's answer? That? Oh, I I was just gonna say, would that I could be a fly on the wall of any of the filming of these? Um, I know. just to see Terry Gar rubbing elbows with Madeline and like Marty. It would be so fun. Anyway, sorry, what is your third answer? P- listeners might not know I'm on a extreme well, third- lag, so things are a little fumbly-bumbly. We're, do- we're doing what we can. I we're doing it. I say we're live via Zoom teleconference, but I forgot to say that today. Uh, anyway, um, I-, I do have a huge appreciation for Dick Van Patten, uh, who played, um, he was in High Anxiety and Robin Hood, but probably the best... Uh, he played the king in Space Falls, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, I do think that like he does do this amazing job, essentially acting alone, especially in Space Falls, right? Because it's just like to a screen, and it's this whole sort of weird situation. But I think that flexibility did give them a lot more to sort of uh, go with. I will, for the rest of my life have the image of that man running out of air and then regaining air in my mind and I don't know why um but the list of like I mean after the sort of obvious players like Cloris Leachman yeah I was just gonna say and Bancroft amazing Robert Wrigley amazing like it just keeps going and um I think we I think we do have to mention good old Harvey Corman who's you know always around to play the bad guy Especially mm-hmm. in Blazing Saddles. Yeah. And again, like an incredible straight man. <laughs> <laughs> Splendid. Every time. Splendid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, also, he he's not one of Mel's um, regular players. I think he was only in, in Blazing Saddles. But just shout out to Cleavon Little, um, mm-hmm. who did not get the career that he deserved whatsoever because of the racism in Hollywood. In the 70s mm. and 80s. Um, but he's just so good in that movie. But we'll talk about it. 
Yeah, he's no, such a charmer. He's perfect. He's absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay, you guys. Once I find the tab with my notes on it, we're good to go. Um, yeah. You guys, what is your favorite Mel Brooks bit? Your individual um, bit. What's your favorite? Do you have one? Um, basically, anytime someone says, lend me your ears, I think of in Robin Hood Men and Tights when everyone just throws a bunch of ears at, at Carrie Elwes. And he's like, he's gross. <laughs> um, and also... The um, the Frau, Frau Blucher's horse whinny anytime she like appears yeah. on screen. <laughs> I don't know why a horse whinny is so funny, but <laughs> it is. Well, because I think it's it's like a send up of those like really old horror movies where there's those like super obvious sound cues that tell you that like <laughs> someone is evil or something. And I think it just is like the perfect spoof of that. I was kind of expecting it during when she was Nurse Diesel in High Anxiety. <laughs> Every time they cut to her, I kind of expected <laughs> to hear that. Hilarious. Um, for me, it's it's really hard to pick one, but one that is fresh in my mind because I just watched it um, is near the end of Blazing Saddles when the bad guys are like coming to destroy the town and they've set up um, a whole fake town for them to come destroy instead. And one of the ways they stalled for them to take longer <laughs> to get there is they just build a toll booth in the middle of the desert. And Ooh. it's just, it's very Bugs Bunny. Like for sure, y- you can tell that Mel Brooks spoofed Looney Tunes a lot or like, you know, took that sensibility a lot. Um, and just like this group of like evil cowboys rolling up and first of all like stopping at the toll booth like respecting its authority mm-hmm. um and then the leader's like does anyone have a nickel and none of them do and he's like all right someone's got to go back to camp and get a poop load of nickels <laughs> he doesn't say poop but it just gets me it gets me every time uh no it's 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 kind of a perfect moment um my, I think my favorite. I have a, I have a bit of a short list here, but I do think my favorite is um, the merchandising scene with yogurt yes. and spaceballs. Uh, because watching it again this week with a five year old, um, there is like this like amp upness of it as he just keeps listing off the thing, you know, space the T shirt. And that, like, you get to the flamethrower. And, like, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. But it is such a good comment on what Star Wars did and how they, like, went forward with this model. And, like, it was really just about selling more stuff. Mm-hmm. And so if they had gotten away with it, they probably would have done a flamethrower. You know, like, I could I could see George Lucas, like, saying yes to a flamethrower going out. Uh, and how clever that joke is. Mm-hmm. Especially like years and years later, and now they're doing Star Wars again, and like yeah. it's just the same mechanism being churned out again with all of this stuff, which like is neat. Like I'm into it, and I'm sitting beside a Lego stormtrooper right now. <laughs> but that's, that still doesn't make case any in point, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like if there was a man, if there was a Spaceballs Lego, God, that would be wild, right? There could Classic. be. It's, get on it. Crazy. Get on it, Lego. There we go. Uh, before we uh, go for a quick break here, does anyone else have any other uh, bits that they would like like to mention? Bits of note, perhaps. Um, I'm trying to think of like a specific example, but I feel like this is one that's in maybe almost every one of his movies, which is the classic. Like, and I, I feel like this is just straight up a vaudeville joke. But the like back and forth of of there being a slight misunderstanding and someone saying something and then someone being like, pardon, what? And then them like repeating it. And it just is the endless cycle of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in um, History of the World Part One, when (laughs) when he's like the waiter at the Last Supper and they're like, it's Jesus is doing the whole thing where he's like, one of you has already betrayed me tonight. And then Mel Brooks is like, Judas! And Judas is all nervous. And he's like, did you want the soup? <laughs> I'm bit of that moment. Uh, I've never John, seen did that. you have a quick, uh, a quick bit before we roll? 
Uh, it's really good. You should you should watch it, Sean, for sure. Yeah, like I think I also the uh, the when they're like <laughs> assembling a troop of bad people, and he just is like panning down a line of just like and every literal person <laughs> that you can think of. <laughs> um. I don't know. The, like all these nefarious characters come, but also like not nefarious, just like like the mythology Silly. of being nefarious. Yeah, they're like a biker, um, like just a Mexican. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous <laughs> and so funny. Yeah. Uh, it's also good. And with that, we'll take a short break to hear a word from our sponsors. You're listening to Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. Uh, you're back listening to Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio. Today, we're talking about Mel. We're talking about Brooks. That's right. We're talking about Mel Brooks movies today. <laughs> uh, Gibson. <laughs> I had to leave that, leave that pause in there to linger for a moment. Um, we're going to continue our discussion of Mel Brooks and his various works. But first, does anyone know what time it is? Uh, well, I haven't joined you in a while. The sun seems to be setting earlier, and it's hard to say. It, it's game time, people. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, or if you're just tuning in, the game is where I spend, this has probably been the most amount of game work I have had to do wow. in a very long time. At least a month. Because there are not, well, there are not a lot of Mel Brooks movies, and for me to pick one that no one has seen uh, is difficult. Um, for those who are unaware of what the game is, uh, I select a title related to a topic, tell these two the title, they tell me what they think, what they think the movie's about. I tell them what the movie's really about, and we all have a great time. You guys, are you ready to play the game? I'm ready. Yes. This week's title is Love Stinks. That title Lust. again. Oh, Love. Sorry. No, I was I like, Love Stinks? Life, life Stinks. <laughs> life Stinks. That's, that's, uh, I was just going off, of, going off of my muscle memory there, but that's wrong. Never trust life your stinks. muscles. This, this week's title is Life Stinks. What do you guys think that's about? Well, I feel like I need to put all my cards on the table and say, full disclosure, that I saw the cover of this film today <gasps> on the internet. But I didn't. Oh, but I didn't read it. Um, I, as I said, I saw the cover and was not intrigued. It is just <laughs> Mel looking disheveled uh, in front of a white background. So I was like, well, no thanks. So I believe that it is about a man whose shower stops working he gets up in the morning he stops working he's like oh then he goes out to like get a cup of coffee or something and he finds his wife having an affair and he's like oh and then he like leaves his car breaks down he gets to work he gets fired it's a a day of life stinking basically Mm. wow and so then when he's at his dirt gutter uh, lowest then some sort of um maybe manic pixie type woman like comes into his life and maybe with a mystery for him to solve and then they get back on he gets his he gets his groove back uh, i think sean i must know mm-hmm. who plays the the pixie dream girl well madeline is what the wife that cheated on him with so i don't know i think it's a maybe it's like a a leslie warren Leslie Ann Warren or something. Mm. Mm-hmm. I sort of a new a new girl. Okay, okay. She's yeah, around uh, the scene, you. but she's not in it. Thank much. you, Sean. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Assange. Uh, okay, so as we know, like all of Mel's movies are like spoofs, parodies. So mm-hmm. I think this is a send up of like you know those really dramatic like sixties and seventies like romance movies. Like I'm thinking like. The way we were, or like, I don't know. I can't think of another example. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just like, it's it's just a very funny satire of like those old school dramas. Um, yeah, maybe it's like 
maybe it depicts a, a long-term torrid romance where a lot of like very unlikely things get in the way um and it's like very dramatic and over the top and yeah that's what i think it is uh okay um thank you thank you both uh for uh playing the game um you're all you're both most most quite wrong mm. hmm um, most quite though. M- That's less than what than... you normally say. Yeah, it, it is less than what it I feels normally like we're say. close. <laughs> Be- because uh, the game has specific rules, and in those rules, uh, points are awarded for specific things. Oh God, you sound like uh, Jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do to us, <laughs> Sean? Um, you're gonna have to cut your own arm off. I'm so sorry. Uh, well, Life Stinks is a 1991 American comedy film. Uh, co-written, produced, and directed and starring Mel Brooks um, with the co-star for a half a point of Leslie Ann Warren. Really? Sean. Yes. Wow. Okay. And I okay. feel like I really need to stress that I did not look to see. <laughs> I only half believe you, to be honest, but... That's true. <laughs> Just kidding. Either, either way, the, a, a half a point has been awarded. So, Sean, uh, add another half a tally to your tattoo on your arm uh, under the game I section. will book the appointment immediately. <laughs> Which I... Um, uh, Life Stinks... I, I watched this a really long time ago, and I kind of remember, like, not digging it. But now... I should have watched it this week, because as I, like, read it and am reminded of... There are a lot of things that make me laugh, and I really love this bit at the end, which I'll talk about. It's kind of a a break from his normal formula, and I think that's why it did so poorly. Uh, I'm just gonna look here. Budget thirteen million, box office four point four point one million. Oh, flop. Yeah, in in ninety one, like that's not good. Uh, anyway, it's sort of a break from his usual comedy. It's still there, but like, there's no fourth wall breaking. It doesn't get as crazy. There's still like little bits here and there, but nowhere near as much as anything else. Um, it's kind of its own thing. It's not really a spoof. And, um, Mel plays, uh, Goddard Bolt, uh, the callous CEO of Bolt Enterprises. And he wants to buy this plot of land to, uh, turn it from like a slum into this like mega mall thing. That's really Mm -hmm. ugly and weird. And like those great scenes where like he reveals, like he has a model of like the rundown area and then he pushes a button and the new model drops down over top of it. But it just squishes the other one and like has to like force it down to like, you know, so it is still really fun. Love that. Um, anyway, he uh, plays opposite Jeffrey Tambor, who also wants to buy this land. So they come up with this bet where Mel's character has to live as a homeless person for 30 days in order to be Classic. able to buy it. Yeah, like it's just... It's this whole thing. Like, mm. it's just this, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, there are things that really make me smile and laugh when I remember about it. Like, his first night, the homeless people start calling him Pepto because he falls asleep in a Pepto-Bismol crate. <laughs> like, that's his name for the most of the movie. And then uh, Leslie Ann Warren plays Molly, a homeless woman who used to be a dancer on Broadway. And it's this whole thing. Anyway, um, this is sort of a sp- a bit of a spoiler, but at the end he and Jeffrey Tambor get into this physical uh, altercation where Jeffrey Tambor has hired all these guys to like break down the slums and they have a fight in two backhoes, like, like the giant construction things, but they put dinosaur sounds to it. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's, it's crazy. It's just nuts. And you can see they kind of like had to like, move it a bit and like take a few frames move it a lo- like it's huge machinery like you can't just have them bash into one another and they like roar and stuff anyway it's it feels like fun. that's not the tone of the film either it's that's true uh but there is some like really goofy stuff there's a lot of penis jokes it's a mel brooks comedy mm-hmm. like what you know what are you gonna do um anyway i think that if you're really into mel brooks you should watch it and i think at some point we should maybe all watch this Yes, um, well, I'm in now. It sounds well, you're good. In now. Um, you guys, thank you for playing the game. Sean, congratulations on your half a point. Thank you. I can't believe it. Thank cool. you. But that thank is you, like Leslie. Right up, 
right up in his wheelhouse, right? Like, that's just right up mm -hmm. in terms of what Sean is looking for. Um, Sonia is... Got... So... <laughs> Her eyes are narrowed. <laughs> I'm, I'm steaming right now. I'm happy for you, but I am bitter. That's the, that's the accurate response. <laughs> um, you guys, what Mel Brooks movies did you watch this week? Well, as I said before, I watched High Anxiety, which I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. um, High Anxiety is basically a Hitchcock trope sort of film. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's about a man, Mel Brooks. You know, also, like, I didn't quite realize that Mel Brooks starred in so many of his own films. Because the ones that I watched, he was not the star of them. But anyway, so he is going to he's taking this job at the asylum for the very very nervous or something like that <laughs> and he it is discovered that he has a very like horrible fear of heights um and his old therapist little old man um happens to be working there so he's helping him and they're like kind of solving a strange mystery a icy blonde woman madeline Kahn, breezes into his life and it's very strange and um he doesn't really know what's going on, what's the truth or not. She's like, my dad is in your asylum. But it turns out that Nurse Diesel and her lover that work there are trying to, like, drive him crazy and take over and keep swindling rich people by keeping them in the asylum. Anyway, it's nuts. It opens with a very, every like, him in an airport seemingly about to be attacked at every moment, but then at the last second it's like not uh it's not an attack and when he finally gets out he's like what a dramatic airport yeah. <laughs> and, um yeah the louis vuitton car was very funny and also there's a scene where him and madeline Kahn are trying to go through airport security and he's like they disguise themselves as an old like russian couple and just like create such a scene that they'll just like it's let so them go funny. through without without uh hassling them too much anyway it's ridiculous it's probably like in the grand scheme of them probably not my fave mel brooks movie but it was really fun and i like to see all these characters do something different and something weird mm-hmm yeah i also watched it you inspired me sean because i hadn't watched it either um and yeah like it's it's it felt a little bit different from some of his others to me in that I feel like he was somewhat more focused on including like, some Hitchcock essence than, I was gonna say like, I felt like he wanted the tone to stay very similar exactly mm -hmm. like even the way it's shot the way it looks like the types of shots he uses they're very masterful actually like so much of it, I was like, this literally looks and feels like a Hitchcock movie. And then, of course, something really silly happens, and you're like, okay, still Mel Brooks. Um, but yeah, I, I especially enjoyed it as someone who has studied psychology because uh, it is a real a real takedown of the field of psychology and psychiatry. Like, he goes to this, like, uh, psychiatrist conference, and mm -hmm. his, like, <laughs> keynote address about penis envy or about how penis envy has no validity but just like the conversations around it are really funny um yeah like even because just, he's yeah, trying to watch his language so yeah yeah and there's like, some little, some little like girls in the front, P -P front envy. yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah even just like the hospital being called the psychoneurotic institute for the very very nervous I feel like is a really like still apt criticism of how psychology and psychiatry completely stigmatizes the very people it's supposed to be helping and just like views them in this very cynical and judgmental way. And like the, the movie itself kind of like I feel like weaves in between like making fun of crazy people, but mostly errs on the side and quote unquote crazy people. I should say I don't mean that anyone is literally crazy. Um and like but i think ultimately always ends up on the side of like criticizing the doctors and the people in power who are like maintaining those like broken power structures it's kind of the same way same thing he does in a lot of his movies where you're like ooh this is like talking about race in a way that makes me really uncomfortable but then at the end of the day it still is a criticism of racism you know what i mean mhm mm so that's kind I, of I, yeah 
Well, and I do think it's interesting that, like, because especially in high anxiety, he also puts himself in it, mm-hmm. right? Like, he is supposed to be this guy in a position of power. He's a doctor, all these things. But then he does have, like, some debil- debilitating condition that, you know, comes up again, pl- you know, played at for laughs. But it is this idea that, like, oh, it's everyone. Yeah. And, like, it's, the doctors it's everyone are, in this, yeah. you know, maybe even crazier than the patients, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. so. No, absolutely. Uh, I also, you alluded to this earlier, Sonia, uh, the the kind of love letter to Hitchcock, Mm -hmm. but then like getting the twist on it, like uh, the newspaper. So at some point he requests a newspaper. (laughs) He angers angers a man who gives him the newspaper while he's in the shower. And this is, of course, mimicking the psycho scene with the here's your paper. And it's like sort of rolled (laughs) up and he's like stabbing him. Yeah, and uh, then the, like, ink rolls down into the drain, and it is just this, like, really, like, funny, but also really well thought out Mm -hmm. sort of, like, spoof of the thing, and uh, it's hilarious. Yeah, like, he even has the moment where he, like, tries to grab the shower curtain, and then it, like, slowly pulls off off. exactly the same way it does in Psycho. (laughs) Or when he gets attacked by the birds, but they just poop on him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Which actually, like, is kind of terrifying. Yeah. Like, it, it, like it's not, you know, like, it is funny, but it's also just like, oh, my, like, that is a ni- the, maybe a nightmare that I now have. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Mel. Thank you for that. But um, I did, of course, watch Spaceballs uh, because any chance to watch Spaceballs is a chance that you should take. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, one that I did revisit after quite some time. I think I have only seen this a couple times. I could be wrong. But um, Dracula Dead and Loving It, which is a favorite of my, my wife and her friend. Okay, I actually have never seen this. Me and neither. I'm kind of surprised because I was like, it seems like something that should have just been kicking around. Uh, there There is a magic of Mel Brooks and Leslie Nielsen that mm. I think went untapped for so long. And I do wonder if they really worked together to like figure out what this project was. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know how the whole thing actually came together, but I, I could see them like maybe like talking about things and waiting for like the moment to, to, to like strike. the story to come. Yes. And um, it's obviously, it's the, a retelling of Dracula. Leslie Nielsen plays Dracula and Mel Brooks plays Van Helsing. It's ridiculous. It is so stupid and so funny. And it's sort of like the Robin Hood men in tights era um, stuff. And um, uh, what's his name? Peter McNoll. He plays uh, Renfeld. He was in like the Mr. Bean movie. This is the performance of his career. He is so funny as Renfeld and like he's super gross and you know he like is Dracula's but little buddy and uh it's just so good uh as long as you're like ready for it's kind of like a death becomes her level sort of thing where it just keeps getting crazier and crazier and there's really great scenes where like you know they're um uh Steven Weber plays a character named Harker who is killing a vampire, uh, Mina, of course, his wife. And, you know, it, he's just hammering in the stake uh, next to Van Helsing, who's hiding from like literally like hundreds of gallons of blood just spewing out of this body. Like, it's just so <laughs> crazy. It's so fun. Uh, it's great. It's really, really great. Yeah, I, I wish I did make time to, to check that. Mm. I don't know why I'm nervous about the the 90s Mel Brooks. Well, because where do you guys stand on Men in Tights? Well, here's my thing is I loved it when I was a kid. And then I kind of just had this opinion in myself. I'm like, it's probably bad. And then I just watched the first half like today, actually. Um, And I was like, you know, it's not too bad. Carrie Elvis is obviously like stun. Um there's like you know classic like calling like this eastern uh dude's name is named falafel yeah things like that 
Um, but I thought the opening was funny when the villagers' houses are burning down and they're like, why do they do this every time there's a new Robin Hood movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I just was like, you know, these are still pretty, this is pretty cute as of far. I've only watched like half again, but. Uh, I think it's a thing. So just so everyone knows, uh, his last three films are Love Stinks, which was a flop, and then Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and then Dracula. And I think they prop like maybe as a reaction to Love Stinks, which uh, was right before it was Spaceballs. um, I think they like probably had to lean more into the goofy to just make a project happen. Mm. Yeah. But also like we start getting into like he kind of loses his group of people, Mm -hmm. you know, like like there are people who are like sort of like staples in the whole thing and they start to not be here as yeah, much they're all especially robin hood men in tights there's a lot of noobs although i was mm-hmm. like tracy uh, tracy allman i was like you definitely belong in the mel brooks oh universe. the way i clocked her right away even though it doesn't look like her at all like just her essence i love yeah. it um what do you think, Son? Well, what I only I only watched like twenty minutes of it, um, oh. and then I was really tired, so I, I went to bed, and then I forgot <laughs> to watch the rest of it. But I was I don't know I was like it did it didn't make me laugh like some of the older ones quite mm-hmm. the same. I did roll my eyes quite a few times. I don't know. I feel like if I was in the right like mindset for it, um, maybe I would enjoy it. I don't know. I'll have to watch yeah. the whole thing and decide. It was really giving me some childhood, like, feelings. Mm -hmm. Yes. Maybe that's why I was, like, really enjoying it. Yeah. And I do think it is, like, much more geared towards, like, the, oh, oh, you know, this fart joke's pretty funny. Like, let's just roll with that. As opposed to, like, really thinking about spoofing a thing or, Mm. you know, playing with something. But um, there is still, yeah, don't they repossess his castle? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's great. Right. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. It's pretty anyway. Funny. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any final uh, Mel thoughts before we slide into our next segment here? What a guy. Slide right in. True. Um, do you guys think that the there is time and space for another Mel Brooks movie? Or do you think? Um, is he, he is still just... with us? I thought he. Uh, he, he might be. I can't remember. I don't, I don't think he is. Let me, I'm scared to look Let's, now. I'm looking. Um, even if he is still with us, it doesn't seem like he's... He is! In the, in, yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought so. Oh, phew. Me and Carl Reiner. But yeah. he's also 96. So. He hasn't he 96. been... He has he not made a film in 30 years. Of, you know, well, no, it's been very long. But um, I don't know if you guys will recall this, but he played Uncle Phil on Mad About You a few times. And if that's not if that's not being in the Phantom Zone, I don't know what is. <laughs> Jeremy, I don't know what you what sentence you've just said. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably for the best. Um, but he's still working. Like I'm like just looking like he was in Toy Story Four. A lot of voice Robots. work. Yeah. He's in something called Fairy Tale Forest as Burgermeister. Eww. I mean, this man. Also, is... he has an egot. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's deserved for sure. Absolutely. But he I, really, I, yeah, he does have a, a. He has such a musical streak that I guess I like went to have clocked before thinking about it. But yeah, he deserves that Tony. For the yeah, producers. That he do. Um, all right, you guys. I think that's enough mail for tonight. Uh, we'll resume our conversations when we do the Gibson episode. Um, <laughs> the, when is that? When's it scheduled? I, I don't know. It's not scheduled yet, but I assume it'll come. I will be uh, postponing that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys, we've got a few minutes left. What have you been watching? Like, do we just so quickly talk about House of the Dragon? Did you guys what is watch that? it? Oh, we we can talk about it. I did not. Did you? Ah, the Game of Thrones prequel. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have zero interest in seeing that. Jeremy. See, I felt that uh, way like, as well. But then I was like, 
ah, nope, I'm back in a little bit. And was Are I you? disappointed by the first episode? Yes, I was. Um, I did see a um, a post by a costuming person just saying how terrible the costumes were. That she was like, this is the sheenification of of prestige TV, it's seeming like. Oh, I and she notice. had some specific examples, but it's also probably not noticeable by anyone that's not a costuming person, but, you know. But maybe not wrong. There were some bad wigs, for sure. And I do feel like they tried to go really, like, dramatic and violent with the first episode to really hook everyone in. So I'm curious to see where it goes. I'm not committed long-term if it doesn't turn out to be good. But I can't not just get a little taste of that that world and see you got to stay what is it 200 years before the events of the last of the first episode maybe even more because it's like it's like the time that they talk about when the targaryens had dragons right okay yeah and we meet a few of the old the old gals do we yeah okay maybe i will oh man okay how many how long until it's over how many? How many episodes? Oh god! Classic. I'm assuming. Journey. Yeah, I'm assuming there'll be like ten. I think the second one just came out last night, as of the time of this recording. When this comes out, it, the third one will be out. So, like, if you oh, wait okay. a couple months, you can watch all of them. Well, in eight weeks, we'll do a show about it. <laughs> we'll and see. And we'll talk about how it went. But I'm just gonna go on record to say that I'm kind of sad about it already. Anyway, you guys, <laughs> wow. that's all the time we have. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to the Garys for the use of our theme song, Manituna, my co-hosts, Sean and Sonia, everyone at CJTR, and to our listeners. Spoiler Alert is broadcast live Wednesdays at 6 p.m. and rebroadcast Fridays at 3. It's available as a podcast on CJTR's website. We're on Twitter at SpoilerAlertYQR and Instagram at SpoilerAlertCJTR. Coming up next, My Electric. See y'all next week. Bye. Bye.